If you're asking how many more weeks is he going to talk about his trip to Africa, yeah, for a long time, just so you know, so just get used to it. And when you go, you're not going to stop talking about it either. But that first Sunday when we were there, we, we, we flew into country on a, we got there on a, uh, in, in an Hydra on a Saturday afternoon, and the first thing we did on Sunday morning, the very next day we went to a church service. And, and th- there's some cultural differences there, and in, in their church service, all the men sat on one side of the church, all the women sat on the other. And I was, I was preaching that Sunday, and so I was up on the platform, and all the men, and then all the, 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 the ladies, and then when, when worship starts, at some point in that first song, there is one man that makes his way up to the front of the church and just starts dancing, just start moving a little bit. I can't do what they do, just so you know, so don't wait for it, because it's not coming. They got this thing that they do with their arms, you know, that's as good as it's going to get right there. It's as close as I'm going to get right there, Chris. And then a lady comes up. She starts dancing. And then another guy comes up. And then another lady. Every week it happens. And the next thing you know, there's a whole circle of men. And there's a whole circle of They're just dancing. The whole worship set. Just dancing, dancing. So just so you know, the next time we sing that song, if you see me wander up here, just (laughs) expect a few guys to follow. Just saying. The visitors might not ever come back, but that's okay. That's all right. That's okay. It was so good. My praise is a weapon. Speaking of being in love together for the rest of your life, how about a shout out to Mike and Lindy? This is their one-year anniversary today. Are they in here somewhere? They're in the back there. Come on. Happy anniversary. It's today, right? Today's the day. Come on, one year. Love it. So good. We're big fans of marriage. The series that we're in, I'm right, we're starting it. I have no idea how long we're going to be in this series. We're just going to stay in it until we're done with it. Stay in it until we're done with it. The Bible tells a story, and you have a part to play. Every one of you has a part to play. And although all of our parts will be dramatically different, we launched this series last week, at some point we will all share in the same moment. The moment we discover the good will of Jesus. Last week I gave you this definition that's going to come up onto the screen of what goodwill is. It's benevolence, compassion, goodness, kindness, consideration, charity. Those are great words to describe Jesus' heart towards us. And goodwill in its purest form is not dependent on the merit of the recipient. How many are thankful for that? We don't earn it. It's not dependent on our merit. Goodwill is predicated on the character of the giver. So Jesus' goodwill is there for us. I introduced you to this verse that's usually in Christmas sermons, but it is really the foundation of the gospel. Luke 2.14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, this is out of the King James, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This peace is the idea of the feeling that comes into your life when you begin to know God and you are known by him. It is your deepest need. It is your greatest desire. It's your greatest hunger. It's your greatest thirst. It's the greatest ache of your soul. And once that begins to be satisfied, there is a peace that comes into your life that's only possible by the goodwill of Jesus. This is the diagram that we left with last week. We talked about this idea that 
that ache inside of you. You can try to do good works. You can try to think good thoughts. You can try to be a better person, but you can never get on to the other side where God is. You cannot satisfy that longing to know him and to be known by him. Jesus, that's that verse in Acts 4.12. It says, there's no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. Jesus came into this world, died on that cross to be a bridge for us so that our relationship with God can be reconciled. That's where we left off last week. By the end of the series, I don't know how many weeks it's going to take us, this is what we're going to cover. Are you ready? That's where we're headed. Every week we're going to do a piece. You can take a picture of that. But at some point at the end of this series, that's going to pop up onto the screen. It's going to be familiar to you. You're going to have a sense of knowing what this, because this is the story that the Bible is telling. From Genesis to Revelation, this is the story that the Bible is telling, and you have a part that you're supposed to play. You have a part that you're supposed to play. So our focus today, we're just doing this one little piece, is tell the story. You and I have a responsibility in our lives to be on the lookout. I've entitled this message, Get Ready, because every day you should be getting ready for an encounter. Asking God, is there somebody today that's going to cross my path who has an ache in their soul? That Jesus is a stranger to them. That inside of them, they don't even know what it's about. But there is a longing to know God and to be known by Him. And you carry the answer to the ache that their soul is carrying. You carry the way that that thirst is going to be quenched, the way that hunger is going to be satiated, because Jesus is the love of your life and is supposed to be the love of their life too. For some of you, by the end of 2023, not only at the end of this series are you going to feel more equipped and more empowered and I hopefully after tonight more inspired to tell people about Jesus, I believe that some of you, you're going to also do that on the continent of Africa just like I did I'm going to give you this website tonight. I'm going to do a little commercial break before we jump back into our series. Now, usually in Pastoring 101, they tell you, do not give a website to people at the beginning of your sermon. Because then they're going to be on that website instead of listening to you. And what I would say to you is, if you end up doing that, I won. I won. Because you're going to end up on a plane to Africa. EffectiveMinistries.org, this is the ministry that we're partnering with heavily as we move forward. I talked about it last week. I talked about it this week. We're going to be talking about it in the weeks to come. I'm putting it up there because they have all of the missions trips that are planned out through the end of 2023. Through the end of 2023. All of the trips. All of the trips. There's some things that are here on the platform. This book... The bracelets, I'm going to talk about what that is, but the cards, I'm going to ask you not to take those, but you can take pictures of those, but those are the only ones I have. But this book, whoever's the first one up here can have that one. That's the book that we had to read for our trip. It's an amazing book, so if you're a reader, I'm just telling you, whenever you feel bold enough to beat everybody else who's going to be racing up here, you can come get it yourself. That's for you. The bracelets are up here for somebody who during the service that you feel like God is speaking to you, that you're going to go on a trip by the end of 2023. Don't, don't come up here and get one. This is, this is mine here. You can't have this one. This is for Claire. Don't tell Vanessa because we haven't talked to her yet. But this is for Claire. 
This is her bracelet. Shh, we're not going to tell Vanessa about it. And I said that her baby's going to go. It's going to be all right. But if you feel like I gave one to Blake, Blake and I have been talking about his trip. He's been coming up to me and said, I want to go. I want to go. I'm just saying. And if we run out of bracelets, I'll have a whole bag full of them next Saturday. But if you feel like God is speaking to you that you're supposed to go on a trip by the end of 2023, I'm going to ask you to take one of those bracelets. You're going to wear it every day this week as a reminder to yourself to take the next step. And the next step is going to be you're going to reach out to either me or Vanessa. And, if, and, and, and this is important because we're not putting together teams yet. We're sending you to be a part of teams that Effective Ministries is putting together. Does that make sense? And so they know if somebody from City Life calls them, they're going to ask you the question if you talk to Pastor Fred and Vanessa. Because if you haven't, they're going to send you back to us. Because there are emotional demands that are on you to go on a trip like this. There's physical demands. Does that make sense? So we want to make sure you're ready to take a trip like that. So you, you come, talk with us, and then we give you the thumbs up. You can talk to them. But there's a Connect team that's going to be going in July. This summer, the deadline for that is April 5th. Some of you, this is going to be for young adults and college students. You're, mar- you're not married. You don't have kids. you got free time. You can just hop on a plane and go. Hop on a plane and go. The last thing that you need to worry about is the money because you will raise the money. I kid you not. You will be shocked at how fast that money comes in. You will be shocked at how fast that money comes in. Discover and Serve is a September team. The deadline for that is June 14th. Some of you are on the website right now. You're just you're clicking it down. All these trips. There's a medical team going in October. There's a men's group that's going in November that's going to be doing some construction projects. It's just all men that are going to be going on this trip. A good friend of mine, Josh Harper, is going to be leading that team. Deadline for that is 816. All of these trips through 2023 are on the site. I'm telling you, it will change your life forever. It will change your life forever. Here's a picture. It's going to pop up on the screen. This is one of the trips towards the end of our trip. We were on this, this sand dune overlooking this dried out riverbed. This is much of what, what Niger looks like. It's just a desert. And these are, these are children from a nearby village where we were doing some ministry. I'm putting this up here because these kids are looking out at you and saying, will you come to my country? Will you come to my country? Will you come to my country? I hope that that picture just, when you close your eyes tonight and fall asleep, you're going to see these kids inviting you to come there and talk to them about Jesus. Come on. All right, our text for tonight. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. I'm going to start reading in verse 25, Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 25, it says, After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, so the book of Acts is picking up. Jesus has raised from the dead. Pentecost has happened. The apostles now, the church has now been birthed through their ministry, and Christianity is taking Jerusalem by storm. It says, after testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. Philip, an angel of the Lord, said to him, go south, down to the desert road. Philip was one of the 12 disciples, right? So it's, the book of Acts is telling us about what's going on with all these disciples. Go south. Down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. 
Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. We're going to talk about this. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? Now we understand that this is a prophecy of the death of Christ for the sins of the world. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Come on. He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, look at this, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. This is, this is right here teleportation right here in the Bible. Yeah, Star Trek did not invent this. Acts chapter 8. Beam me up, Scotty, right here. The eunuch never saw him again. Stop it. But went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north in the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there, and in every town along the way he came to Caesarea. It talks about this like this was just an everyday occurrence for Philip. Where are we going today, Lord? Boom, he's just, this is one of my, do you have selfish prayers? This is, this is one of my selfish prayers. Jesus, just one time, just one time, just one time. I don't even have to tell anybody it happened. Just one time. Can you imagine if it happened right now? Boom. There I am at Krispy Kreme because the hot sign is on. I'm eating a donut. Just smiling, smiling, smiling. If it does, my notes are up here. Just pick up where I left off and keep going. Just keep going. All of God's family is called to the work of evangelism. This is important. Evangelists are specifically called by God to mobilize the family of God for the work of evangelism. If you're not careful, you will say, as sometimes I have found myself saying, well, that's not really who I'm called to be. I'm not called to be an evangelist, but that's not true. We're all called to the work of evangelism. The great commission of go into all the world was not given with a clarifier, this is just for the evangelists. No, this is for all of us. The evangelist is different in the sense that there is a leadership mantle that God puts on him or her because their role in the body of Christ is to then in turn be a catalyst for organizing the people of God and giving them direction in the work of doing evangelism. But all of us are called to tell people about Jesus. No matter who we are, no matter what your spiritual gift is or your personality or your Enneagram number, Whatever, however you see yourself, whoever you understand yourself to be because of who God made you, 
Every single one of us, if we've made a vow of devotion to Christ and we are part of the family of God, we are supposed to have something inside of us that says, God, who is it that you're going to bring across my path that I can point to you? So I want to work through this story because I believe this story is given to us for many reasons, but one, I believe in it what we find are some ways that we can begin to get ready for the work of evangelism that we're called to. That when we see our lives through the filter of the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, that it helps you begin to see your life, how you're supposed to approach your day. The first one is this. It's out of verse 26. It says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. The places where we are supposed to go. The places where we are supposed to go. Let me share this thought with you. Even if you can't identify a conversation with God that led you, that led to you being where you are, remember that the sovereignty of God has always been on your side. This is important. If you read this first part of the verse and say, until an angel of the Lord comes and tells me to go somewhere, I'm not called to the work of evangelism, I would say you're missing an important part of the story. Because the more important part of this verse is the idea that God has a geographic will for your life. And at some point, you will become an active participant in that conversation, just as Philip was. Whether or not it's going to be an angel, I don't know. It might be the Holy Spirit. It might be a verse that you read in the Bible. It might be during a worship song. Maybe as I began talking about Africa, something stirred up inside of you that you're supposed to go. God has a geographic will for your life. And all different types of situations and circumstances. And even before you become an active participant in those conversations, the sovereignty of God has been orchestrating your life to get you into the right place at the right time for the people that you're supposed to meet. Every place we are that relied on the decision of another person makes room for the sovereignty of God to operate. The house that you bought, that you're in right now, at some point, somebody you don't know had to make a decision to help you get into that house. That's room for the sovereignty of God to operate. If you're in the military, every time your orders lands on somebody's desk, more than likely somebody that you don't know and you don't have a relationship with, there's room right there in that moment for the sovereignty of God to operate. The job that you're in right now, when you apply, at some point, somebody had to make a decision to extend the offer to you and not someone else. Guess what? That was room for the sovereignty of God to operate in your life. Long before you're an active participant in where you're supposed to be, the sovereignty of God has been orchestrating to get you into the place where he wants you to be. Your neighborhood, your job, your military transfer. How about your family of origin? We didn't, get, we didn't get a say in that. For Sometimes you might wish that you had. Fair enough? Fair enough. The sovereignty of God has been operating in your life from the day that you were born to put you in the places where he needed you to be. The college and the university that you attend, right? We can just, this list can go on and on and on and on. Whenever your life has resulted in you being in a certain place that was because someone else made a decision that moved it forward, made room for the sovereignty of God to operate in your life. Psalm 20, 
Psalm 37, 23 to 24 reads this way, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Now, some of you have read these verses many times, and it encourages you because it's this idea that God helps me up, but it's not just that he helps you up. It's this idea that he's trying to get you to the place where he wants you to be. Genesis 12.1 says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. God has a geographic will for your life. He did for Philip, and he did for you. Why? Number two, because of the people that we're supposed to meet. The people that we're supposed to meet. Verse 29 said, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. God's putting you in places because there are people that are there that he's going to bring across your path. The Bible tells a story and you have a part to play. And some of those parts are pointing other people to Jesus. For some of you here tonight, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online, you're hearing about Jesus tonight maybe for the first time. Because God's got you right where you're supposed to be, coming across our path. In the routine of your day, in the routine of your day, these are three things to remember. Consider the Holy Spirit. Consider Him. He's with you. If you've made a vow of devotion to Christ, He lives inside of you. And he's a talker, people. He is a talker. Now, if you know Claire, she didn't know I was going to talk about this, so I might get in trouble. But we operate under the principle it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. She's an introvert now, but when she was little, she was a talker. From the moment she woke up, she started talking. She did not stop talking until she went to bed. Non-stop. I remember we picked her up. She was... We've always lived close to family, and we picked her up one day when she was little from Gail, Vanessa's mom, and, uh, and she came up to meet us. We said, how, how, was, how was your day? And Gail said, she's a talker. She's a talker. That's so great. The Holy Spirit is a talker. He's a talker. The question is, are we a listener? Are we a listener? The nature of God is not to hide. The nature of God is to reveal himself. We're the ones who do the hiding, people. We're the ones that do the hiding. Consider the Holy Spirit. Philip, right? The Holy Spirit. It was an angel that told him where to go, right? And then as he's on this road, the Holy Spirit says, hey, go, go walk over next to that carriage. I like the second one. Don't be too quick to speak. See, the Holy Spirit's a talker, but sometimes we're not supposed to be a talker. I love this picture. It doesn't say, go over there, Philip, and start telling him about Jesus. He just says, just go over there and start walking beside the carriage. Just, just go over and stand next to him. Just stand next. So when the Holy Spirit prompts you, when you're out and about your life, and, and you feel this compulsion that you're supposed to interact with this person for some reason. You might not know why. I'm just, don't be too quick to speak. Just find a way to get close to that person and just pay attention. 
Because the Holy Spirit will open a door of opportunity for you to step into. Sometimes we try to open the door that's the, not the door that's going to be best for that person. Don't be too quick to speak. And the third one is this. Look for a need that you can meet. See, I love that Philip just started paying attention. And he asks the question, hey, do you understand what you're reading? What was he doing? He was recognizing that that person had a need and he had the capacity to meet it. It doesn't have to be complicated. It might be an elderly person in the parking lot of Lowe's and you've got 45,000 things that you've got to do in the next 20 minutes. And they're having a hard time loading something into their car. You see what I mean? It does not have to be complicated. And the Holy Spirit might just compel you to go over there. And you might recognize that there's a need. And you might just say, could, could I help you with that? You with me? As you're going about your day, there's something here that Philip is teaching us. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't be too quick to speak. And look for a need that maybe you can meet. And then see what he might do. Number three is in verse 31. It says this, the man replied, how can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The time that we are supposed to sacrifice, I already alluded to this one, we are so busy in this life in American culture. The time we are supposed to sacrifice. I love this quote by Tolkien. It says, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. All that we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Psalm 24, verses 1 through 3 reads this way, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That's including our time, people. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean's depth. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy place? Right? It's saying there's no one like him. He, he, it all belongs to him. When I was in Niger, I realized that even though the Christians I met are not materially wealthy. They are rich with the understanding that their time belongs to Jesus. They have a saying. They have a saying. They say this, you Americans have watches, we have time. Stop it. Right? It's so rich, isn't it? You Americans have watches, but we have time. This is a story about the founder of Effective Ministries, Michael Thaler. It's an article written about him. It says, one moment that sticks with Michael came in 2006 when the then president of Niger relayed through a missionary an urgent request to meet with him. Zooming through the city streets, Michael made it there in just 20 minutes. I'll never forget this day. He looks at me and says, the author writing the story about Michael, and the president looks at Michael and says, you're doing more for Niger than my own people, and I want to thank you. What can I do for you? Right, that's, that's your moment. That's the, you can ask anything you want. The president of the country. Michael recalled, I said, I'd love to have land for an orphanage we want to build. They didn't have any orphanages back then. 2006. The president left the room, came back in with a deed, signed it, handed it over. 
in that orphanage. I've been there twice. Went there in 2009 and went there again just recently. There's multiple orphanages now that they built. You with me? It's powerful, isn't it? Now, you might say, if the president of a country summoned me, of course I would go. Of course I would go. And what I'm saying to you is that somebody of even higher authority than him is summoning you every day of your life. And he's the creator of the universe. And so even though the person that you might be coming across in that moment might seem insignificant by earthly standards, just remember that if there is a compulsion inside of you to go, it's not this person that we perceive as being insignificant that is summoning us. It is the creator of the universe. It is the king of kings who has all authority, come on, asking us, would you go on my behalf and help that person? We might have the opportunity to point them to Jesus. The time that we are supposed to sacrifice. See, it's not even really a sacrifice when the time that he's asking of us belongs to him anyways, is it? The next one, verse 34. Love the story. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? The story that we are supposed to know. The story that we are supposed to know. I shared at the anniversary service this dream that's building in my heart. I'm asking you to join in this dream with me that Jesus is going to be easy to find in our city. I'm going to give my life to that work for the rest of my days. That Jesus is easy to find in the 757. So, so easy, my hope is that one day, whether it's in my lifetime or this dream's going to catch hold in the generation that comes after, that there's going to be a point in time where all of heaven declares that there is no other place on the planet where Jesus is easier to find than the 757. But we're not going to get there unless you and I posture ourselves like Philip and are ready to tell the story when people ask. That's why we're doing this series. That's why we're going to be working through this a piece at a time, a piece at a time. We're working on these little cards. We're hoping to have them by Easter. It's called, it just says right on there the story. On the back is a QR code. Right? COVID has set us up for success, people. Everybody knows how to use a QR code. Because now when you go into a restaurant, you got to scan it to get your food. we got a QR code on there. People can scan it, and it's just going to take them to a short two-minute presentation of the gospel. We're going to put those things in your hands. Even if you're saying, Fred, I don't know if I'm ready to tell the story. And it's not even going to be this whole story. It's just going to be pieces of it. Uh, that's okay if you're not ready. But you can hand somebody a card. And they know how to scan a QR code. Is Jesus going to be easy to find in the 757? Because if he is, it's going to be because there are people like you and I that are going to wake up every day like Philip woke up and said, God, is there somebody that you're going to bring across my path today and Jesus is a stranger to them and I'm going to have the opportunity to point them to you? I am changing the question that I'm asking people because I've realized, shared this with some people, I've spent too much of my time trying to get people to know about City Life Church. I'm done with that. I want people to know about Jesus. 
and they find their way to this church or not, doesn't matter. They might. There's some people that are supposed to be here. Sometimes they're supposed to be at another church too. My question used to be, hey, do you have a church that you go to? My first question, my first question now is, is Jesus part of your story? I'm just going there. I'm waiting for the right opportunity. I'm doing the things that I'm talking to you about doing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not leading out with that. But I'm waiting for my moment. I sold a pair of motorcycle shoes. on. I love Facebook Marketplace. Buying and selling. Come on. I'm a buyer and a seller. I bought a pair of motorcycle jeans, and when I was buying them, the guy said, hey, I got these shoes. I'll just give them to you if you want them. They were too big for me, but I was like, oh, you're all sure I'll take them. I had those things listed on Facebook Marketplace by the time I got home. Some guy shows up to buy him. New motorcycle rider, about my age. We start talking, and he's just talking, and he's talking. And so now I know, right? This isn't about motorcycle shoes. So at some point, I just said, hey, can I ask you a question? Is Jesus a part of your story? And that just opened up a conversation. It just opened up a conversation. I hope you're looking for the moments that God wants to bring to you to point people to Jesus. See, this story right here, which is where we're going to get to and just I'm getting a little ahead of myself, this story is from start to finish. And you might have some start to finish moments, but for most people, Acts chapter 8 is about a journey. And for some, this story might take several months to play out. For some, it might take a few years. So don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. Not every conversation is going to begin with, hey, to, I can baptize you in this creek right here, right now, if you want to. <laughs> you, you might just have a role to play in a piece of it. You tracking with me? This is my last one. In verse 38. He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. So good. The next steps we are supposed... Oh, let me read this verse in 1 Peter 3.15 before I move on. Oh, this is good. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Oh, come on. You got to know the story, people. You got to put the time in. All right, the last one. The next steps we are supposed to aid. The next steps we are supposed to aid. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows that we are sincere, and I hope that you know this too. It's, we, we have a responsibility to help that person to point them to their next step. Their next step might not be water baptism. Their, their next step might just be having coffee with you. Their next step might be an invitation to church. Or if not this church, some other church. We had a young fella in our home just the other day. When you're 55, everybody's a young fella. We were getting some quotes for some work to be done on our house. At some point, I just asked him, you know, just towards the end of the conference, I was looking for my window of opportunity. Finally, he came. Towards the end of his time there, I was like, is Jesus a part of your story? We talked about when he was in college. He lives in Norfolk on the other side of the water. And so I started talking, about, talking with him about my good friend, Kevin Tremper. The pastor's a church over there, a great church. That might be his next step. 
When you're talking with someone about Jesus, you got to be asking the Holy Spirit the question, what's the next step that I'm supposed to point this person to? It might be a church event. It might be come to a small group. It might be a church service. It might be, some, might be a coworker. It might be that you invite them to read a book with you about something about Jesus or the Bible. Might, don't, don't, don't be surprised that in these conversations, just ideas are going to pop into your head. Don't give yourself credit. You're not that creative. Neither am I. It's the Holy Spirit just pointing you in the right direction. Might be giving them a story card. It might be just following up with them. You see them a couple of weeks later in the break room and you just strike up a conversation just to see where it might go. Might be pointing them back to their own church. Might be encouraging them to pick a Bible reading plan. It might be that you have the opportunity to pray with them for them to make a vow of devotion to Christ. It might be. Might be that you're talking with someone right now and they've never been water baptized. We're going to be doing it right here on Easter. Come on. How great is that? Getting baptized on Easter weekend. You invite the band to come up. In attentional blindness. Been learning about this. In attentional blindness. It's going to be a picture with a gorilla that's going to pop up on there, which I know you weren't expecting. One of the best-known experiments demonstrating inattentional blindness is what's called the invisible gorilla test. I'm not making this up. This was carried out by two, two PhD candidates, and in this experiment, researchers asked participants to watch a video of people tossing a basketball, and the observers were told to count the number of passes or to keep track of the number of throws versus bounce passes, right? So there's a group of people and they're watching a video and it's people playing a, a, a version of basketball and maybe they're say the people in the white t-shirts, I want you to keep track of how many times they pass the ball. They're given different instructions at different times and different experiments, right? Just to make sure that it wasn't the instructions that were given that produced the result. So all different kinds of instructions, but all related to watching this video. Afterward, the participants were asked if they had noticed anything unusual while watching the video. Across all the tests, every time they do it, they've done this many times now, over 50% of the participants reported seeing nothing out of the ordinary every time they do it. But in reality, something odd had happened. And in some instances, they do different things, but in some instances, a woman dressed in a gorilla suit strolls through the scene, turns to the camera, thumps her chest, and walks out in the middle of this basketball game. Now, while it may seem impossible that the participants miss such a sight since their attention was focused elsewhere and on a demanding task, the gorilla basically became invisible. It's fascinating, isn't it? How could they not see it? And one of the reasons, what unintentional blindness is about, one of the reasons why people miss the gorilla is simply because the stimulus does not fit into their idea of what a basketball game is supposed to look like. So when it doesn't fit, they've been conditioned, I'm going to watch a basketball game, they literally, half of the people, do literally do not see it. Now why am I sharing that with you? Because this is the question I'm asking myself, I'm asking you with me. Are we missing the people 
that God has brought across our paths to tell them the story of the gospel simply because these moments don't fit into our idea of what a typical day in the life of a Christian looks like? Do we suffer from inattentional blindness? Because when we get up in the morning, part of our vision for our day does not include telling someone about Jesus. And so we just don't see the people that he puts in front of us. I hope that's going to change for you because I want it to change for me because I want Jesus to be easy to find in the 757. Stand with me. Father, I pray for everybody that's here tonight. For those Jesus who have made a vow of devotion to you and that hunger and thirst and ache inside of them to know God and to be known by him is already at work and underway. That Jesus, you're not a stranger to them, that you are the love of their life. I pray that something's going to happen to us. Something's going to change in us. That we're, we're, we're going to wake up tomorrow with a little bit different of an outlook. Just looking for the person that maybe you're going to bring across our path. And for the person that might be here tonight, Father, who's sharing our path with us right now in this room or watching online, I pray that they're going to take a step, a step that's going to be right here for them. Father, I pray that after we're done singing this song and there's going to be some of us here up at the front to pray, I pray that they're going to take that step, that they're just going to come up. Say, Jesus is a stranger to me, and I want today to be different because I know that I want him to be the love of my life too. For people that are watching online, I pray whether it's during this song or after that they're going to hit that button that's on the screen and to ask for prayer. They're going to be able to go into a private chat room. They're going to be able to wake up tomorrow. People are going to leave this service be able to wake up tomorrow. And now passing Jesus on the street isn't going to be a stranger to them. They're going to be on their way. Walking a path. Jesus, you become in the love of their life. And then becoming someone who's sold out to you. And they're going to be pointing other people to you just like we're pointing you to them right now. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship together.